one-on-one training on this. A lot of consulting companies in particular um, like to do one-on-one training on how best to do this, how best to share leadership over Twitter. And so we have, we have people who do that. And so in the interest of having the session be of most tangible value to everyone here. Um, I, Paige is joining us via webinar from New York. You can see Fifth Avenue in the background behind her if you look really closely. Oh, hey <laughs> and there. there she is waving at us. And so, you know, I'm, I'm here to facilitate, but Paige is really going to uh, do the training in the spirit of digital media and uh, the fact that to do all this stuff, we, we don't all have to be in one place. So, so Paige, I'm turning it over to you. Great, thanks, Margie. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you folks, even though I'm live from New York. It's Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Paige Holden. I'm a senior account executive here at Bliss, and I've had you know the interesting opportunity to really get involved in Twitter and other forms of social media. Um, you know, as it pertains to marketing and PR, and now uh, especially what Bliss specializes in is what B PR. So I'm going to walk you through the basics today, but before I do that, I'm just going to talk a little bit about what Twitter is. I'm sure that many of you have read the news about it. It's, you know, it's everywhere. Everyone's talking about Twitter. What is it? What's the feat? Well, Twitter is a social networking site that is evolving very, very rapidly. And basically what it does is it aggravates tweets. And tweets are 140 character messages um, that people on Twitter send out to communicate with their audiences and also with you know the public at large. And um, the idea is that through these short bursts of information, people, people generate networks and people that they can relate to within their industries. As Twitter has become more popular, what we're seeing is a lot more industry groups are getting involved. Um, where it was once a media, social media, marketing tool, now we're seeing corporate real estate executives like yourself, we're seeing retail companies, we're seeing getting involved because it's such a great way to network with what your core constituents used to be. Um, so why does it matter? Well, for that reason it matters, but it also matters because news breaks on Twitter faster than any other outlet known today. Um, just to give you an example of that, when the plane crashed in the Hudson River earlier this year, the news broke on Twitter, the story was discussed, and the story was almost dead by the time the media even got their hands on the initial action. So, you know, messages are flying around at a rapid pace. There's a lot of information that's really interesting and really useful um, if used in the right way. So that's one reason why Twitter matters. Other reasons why Twitter matters, Twitter matters, is because it's a, it's, it's, it's a congregation of thought leaders, um, people that can share information with you, people that you can share information with, the media, um, journalists, executives. Just, it's a great way to get everybody in the same room, so to speak, that wouldn't necessarily be able to talk to each other in any other way. Hey, Paige, while you're talking, could you refresh your Twitter screen? Sure. So, with that being said, and we know why it matters, is that, you know, another reason why it matters is that as Twitter has evolved, the use for Twitter has evolved, there are some really interesting things going on right now. For example, um, I'm sure Margie and I were speaking earlier this week about um, how you all might spend a little bit of time in airports. Is that true? Yes. How, how many true. people here travel a lot? Today. <laughs> so, you, came, you came back today? Directly from the airport. That's great. One of the cool things that we're starting to see is that companies are actively using Twitter as, as a customer service function. Um, JetBlue is really, really good at doing this. So actually, if you're in an airport and you have a flight with JetBlue and that flight is late and no one's telling you why it's delayed, which maybe I know is very, very frustrating, you can tweet 
Jet Blue, and they'll get back to you with why the flight was delayed, where you can go to kill some time, and who you can talk to in the airport that you're in. So, um, as companies have adapted to this new form of media, they're using it really groundbreaking things, everything from you know customer service to HR and recruiting. And one thing, just to jump in a little bit, that we talked about in the last session was. Um, that this also has implications for corporate real estate because there could be ways, you know, if there is a customer service function that you are, or that you are thinking about, you could also do the same thing. You could set up a way that if someone had an issue with your service, that you could they could tweet you and you could respond immediately. You know, depending on the organization and depending on your ability to do that, it's going to be very different. But it's the fact that an airline is doing it, it means that other businesses can do it as well. Exactly. You know, so with that being said. Into some of the things you, you should think about before you get involved in Twitter or really any kind of social media. Um, you know, there's been a lot said about people who get on Twitter and talk about what they ate for lunch, and that's not particularly useful, and that's not how we would suggest people use it. The best way to approach Twitter is to develop a strategy in the same way that you would develop any marketing or business or networking strategy for your own professional development or your business development. So um, you want to consider a couple of things before you get started, and those things are, you know, what do I want to achieve with this? Who do I want to talk to? What do I want to talk about? What messages do I want to communicate to the audiences that I'm talking to? Once you develop a strategy where you clearly define who you are, what you're talking about, and who you're talking to, Twitter's going to be a lot easier for you, and it's not going to be nearly as daunting as some people initially think when they get started. You'll know exactly what you want to be and what you want to say. So with all that being said, I'm going to get into the basics. And you know, please stop me if I'm going too fast or if you have any questions. But Twitter has four main functions. The first one is your regular straightforward tweet. It's 140 characters, that's about a sentence or two, share a piece of information um, that is relevant to you and your audience. So uh, a commentary on a Wall Street Journal article you said that day, or a tip for best practices in corporate real estate financing, or um, a quick about you know filing cases growing you know chapter eleven. Whatever is pertinent to your audience, that's just a quick straightforward tweet. The other the next uh, fundamental uh, way to use Twitter is this app reply. And I'm just gonna show you really quick. Um, I just got one from Margie to me. Oh, oh you know it wasn't an at reply though. I should have done it that way. Uh, this is an at reply, and so yes, at reply like the little at sign, like in the Twitter address or like in an email address. Um, actually, you didn't. Let me get you a handout because there's there's a page in the handout that you all have that has basic Twitter terminology. This is probably a good time to turn to it as Paige is going through this, um, because these are sort of the basic ways that you communicate on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So an at reply is directed at a fellow Twitterer that you're speaking directly to them, but it's still available in the public feed. So I'm going to go ahead and send Margie an app reply. And the way that you see that is add sign, no space, Margie's handle, which happens to be Margie Sweeney. And I'm just going to go and say, hey, Margie. That's going to funnel directly to Margie, and she's going to get a notice right here on the right side of her mm -hmm. screen, she reminds us to add page holding when, when, when someone's speaking directly to her on Twitter. So that's easy to keep track of. 
Right, and so because I typically I can do Twitter from my iPhone, I get this from page immediately on my iPhone. And so when I look on my iPhone, I actually see um, it, it hasn't... Um, it hasn't actually redrawn yet on my phone yet, but I automatically see this from page, and it's kind of coded differently than all the people I follow because it shows me that it's someone replying to something that I did. Mm -hmm. That they're talking, they're talking directly to me, but it can also be viewed by everyone who follows page. Exactly. Is that all making sense? Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. So it's like it's like an email response, right? A little bit, except in an email response, it's just like if I send you an email. I'm just sending you an email. In the at reply page, it, everyone who follows page sees that she's saying this to me. Can you have that not be the case? Um, it, actually, Paige is going to get okay. to that in just okay. a second. There's another way that you communicate so on Twitter that public, does that. A public response yes. to you. Yeah. A public response to somebody, you know, a personal message in a public response. Okay. But I will say that, um, you know, it's good to, it's good to have your at replies be shown throughout the network. It's part of what Twitter is all about. Mm -hmm. And if people begin to see conversations that, let's say, you're having with Margie that are interesting and part of the public stream, they may decide, well, whoever this person is saying something really interesting to Margie, I want to speak to this person, and they will follow you, and then you can follow them, and that will expand your network. Yeah, just um, to jump in, like on the screen you see John Byrne. Um, you guys may not know this, but he's the top online editor at Business Week. And so the fact that he said thanks to CHA Group, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like why, why was it you know, valuable for John Byrne to say that what did they do for him because he's a very important person. And so I may look into that. I may look at, at CHA Group because I don't follow them. I don't know who they are. I don't know anything about them, but I respect John Byrne. Why is John Byrne appearing on your page? Because I follow him. I see. So mm -hmm. all the people that you see on my page here, um, I follow. I'm, yeah, I follow their page. What, what does it follow mean? That means that I signed up to, let me see, speaking to what Margie was just saying, I'm going to click on this gentleman's handle right here. This is the person who John Byrne is talking to. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting that John Byrne, one of the leaders in social media, is talking to this guy. So maybe I want to get involved and start listening to what he has to say. And so in order to do that, I'm going to click right here where it says follow. Mm. Uh -huh. And now I'm following him. So when I go home to my page, when he tweets, I'm going to see what he's tweeting about. Right, and so what I could do is I, I could do the same thing, and then all of a sudden, because I follow John Byrne and Paige follows John Byrne, we're both going to say, oh, who is this guy? And we might start following him. So his network has expanded because John Byrne, who's very respected, just said thanks. And they don't have to give you authority to follow them? That's it. You can set it up that way, and I think Paige is going to make that point. Does he but know? typically, no. Okay. Does he know that you just... Like the yeah. Stalking. <laughs> 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 Paige, I'll I'll let you address the uh, is that stalking comment. <laughs> well, that's why they're on here. They want to be stalked. Twitter. And 611 people follow me. What? 
Yes, you know what, Paige, this is just like we said before. There's a few faces in the room saying, really, you follow almost 500 people? How do you keep up with that? How do I keep up with them? I knew that question was going to come up. Well, I mean, it's like anything. You know, I fade in and I fade out. When I come in and Twitter's on my page, you know, you see how, how small these tweets are. I just kind of scan. I look out for the people that I really, really follow closely. John Byrne is someone I greatly respect, and I usually read almost everything he says if I'm on Twitter at that moment. But um, I don't spend all day reading people's tweets. It moves so quick that you don't need to be tuned to it all the time. You can pretty much dive in, read what you want to read, and, and, and come out where we need. Can you treat this kind of like junk mail and, and just like eliminate a bunch of these that are just not relevant to you? You thought like 493 would be a cool number, but as it turns out, it'd be much easier for you to follow 30, and so you could just, I don't know, whitelist some of them and dump the rest? So would it be, would it be, you're asking would it be easier if I just follow 30? Well, to a certain extent, yes, I think it would be easier to just follow 30, but Twitter's about curiosity, and I'm really interested in what most of the people in Bali have to say. That being I definitely go in and I pull my list um, and take out people that aren't sharing useful information anymore. Sometimes people change topics that they tweet about and I'll catch an eye on it and I'll go in and I'll take them off my following list. Mm-hmm. Paige, do you want to demonstrate that? Because I think part of the question was how do you do that? You can okay. unfollow me for a minute and do you want to show people how, how that happens? Or I, that probably won't be very easy. So um, I, think I, can, I think I can figure it out. I just got to find you. I, I'm probably one of your earlier followers because we all followed each other. But I think like, if, I follow, if I get to your handle, Margie, then I can, I can do it without going through my follows list. Okay. Margie, how long does it's a tweet? Right? So yes. it's on something other How long does it stay there live? Well, that's, Paige, did you hear that question? How long does a tweet stay there live? Yeah. I would say that anything you put out there is out there forever. Oh, okay. So it doesn't go away after X amount of time. It just it's, lives. You know, it, it, Paige's answer is, is basically true, but at the same time, does it stay top of mind? Does it stay on the top of the list? It's not necessarily at the top of people's feeds forever. Okay. You know, Margie, the, this, is, this is kind of polite kind of conversation going on. My mind's spinning with how in corporate real estate people can use this. Now, mm-hmm. you know, for example, in a retail transaction sometimes, there is an enormous amount of activity going on, multiple people going on, multiple people approving uh, decisions. Uh, you're, you're, you know, Walgreens is communicating with CVS against Starbucks for a particular site. They're all communicated around the ICSC. I was just looking at this. And I see this ability to be able, in a tweet environment, to be able to communicate immediately to 100 people about mm-hmm. that particular transaction, get approvals. I'm thinking about what she said about uh, the crash of the plane, yeah. you know, that's the mm-hmm. river. What about all the disasters, all the things that can happen in a facility of security breaches? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the power of this. Yeah, I think, Paige, I'm gonna take this question because it's pretty relevant to corporate real estate, if that's okay with you. <laughs> okay, um, I think that it, there's kind of two answers. You, you kind of ask two questions. You know, One is, how could this be relevant to a corporate real estate in a transactional environment? And in all honesty, this is a public forum. I, if I were involved in a transaction, I wouldn't necessarily want that conversation yeah. to be taking place on Twitter, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, because that's right. not something you want everyone to be hearing about once it's closed. You know, you know, great new center with a Starbucks and a Walgreens, yeah, wonderful. I, I was just going to you know. comment to that too, Larry, because over the uh, the years working with real estate, corporate real estate people, 
Mm -hmm. saying community business retention calls or we get them together at a table. Mm -hmm. I was talking to you. My experience historically has been with you and I sure. are talking. You would tell me exactly what you want, but when I get 60 in the same room, you don't say a word. I, 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 I could agree with you both yeah. more. I'm, I'm asking yeah. where, where it's headed with it. Yeah, are mm -hmm. there ways to be able to control that a little bit tighter? I think there are other okay. social media tools that allow it to be tighter controlled. Uh, yeah, I, I just can't see most of the guys using this until we have to get the word out. Um, there, there are other social media tools that would be more appropriate to that. Mm -hmm. And you definitely, there are tools that you can use to set up just environments where only people related to a certain project mm -hmm. will have access and be able to communicate with each other. So there are tools for that. Twitter, I mean, Paige, correct me if you disagree, but I don't believe Twitter is one of them if you want a very controlled communication amongst a specific group. What about a group. disaster? What about a security what that's that kind of thing? yeah you know page why don't you talk about that because I think you know it use in a disaster situation for communicating with a large group of people immediately that's definitely something that Twitter could do it definitely is I mean it depends on what you're going to use it for and how much you want to put out there I mean we certainly understand that there are sensitivities and things you don't want to be tweeting about um, we do recommend that any any company that's going to decide to get involved in Twitter has a strategy in place has, has rules and guidelines and very specific people that are allowed to speak so that those are trained and educated on what they can and cannot say, which would mitigate hopefully a problem moving forward. But it can be used, you know, when the when the plane crashed in the Hudson River, um, you know, it it spread like wildfire, but it, it wasn't really necessarily negative. Delta responded, I think it was a Delta flight, uh, responded right away. Um, whichever whichever airline it was, uh, responded right away. Um, people on Twitter were able to communicate that everybody was safe. So in that sense, it was good. And I can tell you that the hashtag, which hopefully we'll have time to go over, was actually developed when San Diego wildfires uh, took off last summer. And they wanted to find a way to quickly communicate to everybody in the in the vicinity, um, you know, where they could go to get help for the wildfires and get, um, you know, water and supplies. And that hashtag was actually deployed by the Twitter community to keep everybody in the loop. So in that case, it was used as a contingency plan and actually to kind of, um, you know, help the disaster. It all depends on how you use it. And any company that's on it should have very clear guidelines about how they're going to use it in case of, you know, of a disaster. You know, Domino's had an issue earlier this week where um, they do not use Twitter correctly and they did not get on Twitter fast enough. And especially for a company that is so consumer oriented that was dealing with social media issues, you know, social media from the get go, they did not deploy a strategy that really helped them save that. Um, but there are companies that do, uh, and they do it very well. So it's all about the planning up front, the strategy up front, and any contingency plans that you need to be put in place before. Yeah, so to elaborate on that a little bit, a mall owner or the owner of a large office complex probably could benefit from having a very clear Twitter strategy in place for how their property managers could communicate with a wide group of people that would be immediately very viral you know, to say, don't come to this mall today, there's an issue, or, you know, there's, or all is safe, or, you know, or various things, you know, there, there would be cer certainly implications for, uh, for property owners in a disaster situation. Absolutely. Well, what's, what's your advice to, um, there was an article actually on, on the internet today, or yet, not today, but yesterday, I believe, there's, um, of people making names very close to other names, and then, and maybe tweeting negatively or not, maybe if it's not negative, but even if it's messages that you don't necessarily want to convey, 
Misrepresenting. That's a, yeah, that's a better like way of putting of it. Kind of identity theft. Right, right. Oh, exactly, because yeah. it makes it so easy. Uh-huh. Well, so um, Facebook. So if you, if you make yourself available in this way, how do you prevent that from happening? Or, or prevent the damage from happening? Um, that's a very good question. I would, I would, if you, if you've already built up your own presence and your own identity on Twitter with your own name and your own following, then you should be able to mitigate that within your, the, your audience, your core constituencies. But identity theft is a, is a problem. It's a problem, you know, anytime you're, you're on the web. Um, I think that Twitter is working on ways to circumvent that in the same way that Facebook is working on ways, um, and LinkedIn is working on ways to deal with that very issue. But as long as, you know, you have built your identity, once you have your own handle and your own presence and your own following, they can't steal that from you. Um, I would add to that. If you're in a situation where you know that that's happening, addressing it clearly, authentically, right. and head-on is, you know, that, that probably is the appropriate strategy for that. Right. I would agree. If you're doing an appro- one of the first things that we recommend to our clients is that before, before you engage fully as a corporate strategy, do a listening campaign. Yeah. Um, you know, do research on what is out there. Find out if people are doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and even as you go along, listen for that and, and be aware of that. Some companies are going to be a lot more vulnerable to that than others. You know, yeah. honestly, as a company, we don't feel like there's someone out there trying to pretend to be an mm-hmm. evil version of Bliss PR, yeah. you know, <laughs> or an unstrategic version of Bliss PR, which would be more damaging, mm-hmm. you know. And, and But if we were a consumer company, you know, that might be if we were Home Depot and someone was trying to undermine our reputation, which is, you know, much more plausible, then we would probably spend a lot more time and resources to, you know, be keeping aware of that and looking out for that and, and dealing with it head on. I agree. I agree, and I think any corporate communication strategy should take that into account. Um, and as Margie said, you know, when you're when you are uh, social networking, it really is all about just candid, honest responses. Not everybody knows that you're not going to be able to give the detailed, you know, play-by-play action, but coming out there and saying this happened, we're working on it, and we'll keep you updated on next steps. The best thing you can do when you're using these tools. Margie, I'm sorry. No, that was to, to Margie. And also, um, the last Cornet luncheon, you had you were um, tweeting about the luncheon. Uh-huh. And how did you use it then? Oh, um, Paige, could you hear that? No. Okay. Um, the the question was is that at the last Cornet luncheon, uh, Marty Van Eggs from Bloomington Normal and I were live tweeting from the luncheon. And how did we use that? Yeah, that I mean, it just relates to. Yeah. Um, what we were doing is we were sharing with our followers what um, the the interesting thoughts that we thought were coming out of the luncheon. And so essentially, I said, you know, at a Cornet Global luncheon, hearing interesting things, and I, you know, forgive me in this very moment, I'm forgetting exactly. It was a site luncheon. It was site, and it was economic development. And so Marty is an economic developer from Bloomington Normal, and I we as a firm have clients in economic development so we were kind of commenting on what we felt were relevant thoughts on economic development and so that was and by doing that it reached sort of all of the people in Bloomington Normal who I think Marty's followers are largely in Bloomington Normal and probably has a good following amongst economic developers and that sort of thing Um, and then my following amongst people who care about topics like real estate and real estate finance and architecture and that sort of thing were also hearing about 
the economic development thoughts that were being shared at that luncheon. Now, was it relevant to everyone on Marty's list or on my list? Absolutely not. You know, not to everyone, but the I, the whole idea behind Twitter is that there's this commonality that if you're following me and that it's going to, that a certain amount of my tweets are going to be relevant to you. Not everyone. So Margie, when you tweet, do you tweet only about business things or do you talk about, you know, what you're doing with your kids, what you have for lunch? I mean, where is, my, my question in all of the social media, it's kind of an overriding mm -hmm. question of, the, the convergence of the personal and the professional. That's, yeah. what, that's what worries me the most. <laughs> Just I'll, I'll explain it from my perspective and then I can turn it over to Paige. I do about, it, for me, I do about 90% professional and about 10% personal. Mm -hmm. Some people that, you know, that percentage gets adjusted, but like last Friday night, I was at a fundraiser for a Have Dreams Foundation. It's for <laughs> kids with autism and my family's very involved in it. And I just thought it was incredibly cool that the guys from Saturday Night Live, including Norm from Cheers, were actually there. And Mayor Daly was there and Coach Ditka was there. And so I tweeted about it. Mm -hmm. And I said, very cool watching Saturday Night Live guys, you know, and raising lots of money for kids with autism. Mm -hmm. Now, that has nothing to do with my business. <laughs> you know, it's very much an aside. It's just a thing that's because my family's involved in this group. But I thought that it might be of interest to the people who follow me. But you wouldn't say, I just went to my daughter's ice skating competition, and she did really great. And Not typically. Wendy's for lunch. Right, exactly. Once in a while, I'll do that, because it personalizes it. And um, Paige, I'm actually going to turn this over to you at this point, because I think you do a very good job of balancing the personal and the professional and, and humanizing it a little bit. Thank you. Um, it's a great question, and it's a question that you know we get all the time. I think it's important to remember that social networking is about the personality behind the brand. So, you know, you do want to, um, I think Margie's uh, 90, 10 looks great. Um, I probably do a little bit more of the 80 and 20. Um, I know people who do 50, 50. My, my advice is that um, for every, you know, five tweets, I might tweet one or two personal tweets, but they're very specific on the personal topics that I've already um, called out that I'm going to talk about in my bio. So um, so I have my business side, and uh, I don't know on my bio, pull up my bio really quick, and it says, you know, PR professional, retail, and HR issues. Those are really the issues that I talk about. So people know I'm going to be talking about public relations, media, social media, retail, and HR. But in order to create a personal element that people are attracted to and can relate to, I threw in a couple very benign personal things that I like and enjoy, um, fantasy sports being one of them and food network the other. Um, what we always advise people is that the personal stuff that you do throw in if you are tweeting for, for business reasons is benign, not polarizing, which means no religion, no politics, or anything that can set people off. Mm -hmm. And that it is, um, you know, it, it's managed in a way that it's not effusive. Uh, and if you feel, we always tell people, if you feel that you need to tweet um, personal stuff more than, you know, once or twice for every five or six, um, and I would say that at the most, then you need to create a personal profile that's separate from the one that you use for business. Great, thank you. Does that, Does that answer your question? 
I think it did. Oh, I'm sorry. In no. this manual, does it discuss how you connect it to your cell phone, or you said you? You know, the the manual doesn't describe that because it's very specific to what cell phone so you have. Okay. Um, I happen to have an iPhone, and there are a variety of applications with iPhone. My personal experience was I started off with one, and it didn't work very well for me. So I actually tweeted about it. I, I put it out there to the okay. Twitterverse, okay. and I said, "Does anyone have an application? Because uh, an application that." where it is easier to retweet because retweeting is something that I do a lot. I, you know, see what people I'm following because I follow the New York Times, I follow the Wall Street Journal and the application I was using, I had to retype it all out and that was unrealistic. And so I found and then so I put it out there. I tweeted about it and someone saw it and came back to me and said, "Hey, I would suggest Twitter phone." And so what I use now is Twitter phone, and it was suggested to me by someone I was following at the time. Mm -hmm. And actually, I unfollowed them later because most of the stuff that they were tweeting about wasn't relevant to me, and it just came into my feed and wasn't helping me very much. But, you know, for that period of time, it was very helpful. So that's what you were <laughs> saying about the you don't have 493 people you're following? I, I have quite a few. I don't have as many as Paige, but <laughs> I forget exactly how many I have. Um, I think I have, like, between 100 and 200. So I, I do have quite a few people, but like like Paige, I you know trim it out every once in a while because I'll start following someone and then I'll find that you know they're tweeting about right. you know their dog. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I don't need that. Yeah. I usually take a tweet through once a month. Yeah, I think that's a good a good rule to follow. A what? One that she does a sweep once a month. 